You're listening to Once, Episode 17, What Happened to Frederick? Welcome back to another episode of Once, the podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. But you probably knew that already. (laughs) I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Dan Flynn. And I'm Jenny. And we are so happy to have you with us as we journey into the fairy tale world and story work, hopefully to come out someday. But we have (laughs) been talking about the episode, What Happened to Frederick? It's the 13th episode in Once Upon a Time. And unlucky and we had our yeah <laughs> but Catherine. Actually, actually it was kind of lucky for her <laughs> we had our initial reactions episode which was episode 16 you can go back and listen to that oncepodcast.com slash 16 but this time we're going to get a bit more in depth in our review and discussion about this episode of once upon a time because every episode has so many hidden things in it and we love the feedback from our listeners you guys and Remember that we do also have the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums that you can check out and post and discuss there. And there are some great conversations going on in there. But let's get talking about this episode. We gave our initial review. What did you guys think? Any different opinions based on our second watch of this? Hmm. Different opinions. I can't think of any. I didn't. It didn't really change my opinion. It was... It was a decent episode, and it revolved around a lot of our core characters, but it felt sort of like a stepping stone, I guess, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It was solid. It wasn't, you know, thrilling, at least for me. Dan? Yeah, same thing. Um, pretty much what we heard the first, felt the first time was the same as uh, this time, because there wasn't too much mystery, I don't think. Everything was pretty much straightforward, but yeah. same thing. Jenny, what did you think? I realized that I I made some, like I made a wrong comment. Like I thought that the king had talked, he had spoken to um, James. James actually, and I thought James was disguising himself as a guard, and then he went off, and just, it didn't make sense. But yeah, a lot of people had thought that too um, because of the scene cut. But then when you actually see it, you realize, yeah. That's not that. I so must have you, blinked or a, something. I thought I, I thought he, the guard turned around and it was David's face. <laughs> and I, for some reason, must have been looking away both times that I watched it. So <laughs> I can't comment. Well, so it starts out that it is the day of James and Abigail's wedding, and we see a castle in the background. And it is, by the way, it is Prince Charming and Snow White's castle. Really, it looked ginormous. It's it's the same one because okay. it's out on a lake and has a bridge to it from the coastline of the lake that oh, is those are the only the, distinguishing yeah. marks well uh, you couldn't see the flags <laughs> very well but it was the castle okay yeah, sweet definitely. so you think they're gonna like overthrow the king and take over the castle then well it's king george's castle so we still have to figure out what's going to happen to king george which i think we'll see i think he's still gonna die future episode. <laughs> hope he, he gets turned into gold and drops into Ooh. the siren's lake Ooh, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But it it made me wonder why is King George out there greeting Abigail instead of greeting her at the castle? And then I realized 
he and his entourage are hunting for James, and they must have come upon um, Abigail's entourage there and just thought, let's be all cordial and everything, but let's get back to the hunt real quickly. Because later we saw, near the end of the episode, we did see King George was among the group hunting for James. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he was just on a leisurely stroll to go out and meet (laughs) Abigail a mile away from the castle. (laughs) Had some time to catch up. How does everybody find this hiding place of Snow White's anyway? James found it. Apparently King George found it. Maybe it's not as hidden as... (laughs) Well, they probably tracked him there. Probably. That ever-elusive tracking ability that people tend to have when they need it. GPS. (laughs) (laughs) Geppetto... uh, Postal system. I don't know. <laughs> Geppetto, <laughs> Pinocchio. Uh, we'll figure out the S later. Siren. <laughs> it, <laughs> Thank you for the courtesy laugh, Jenny. It was, that was a bad tangent. Well, I just, I just was like, siren. And I was like, what? A siren would turn into a man? I was just thinking oh. that was kind of funny. Well, it depends on who goes to her, I guess. If a woman yeah. goes to her, then maybe she so, comes out uh, with like anyway, a with fairy tale or story. Yeah, let's move on. In <laughs> when Abigail sees or catches Prince James, she says she has ears in the king's court. Oh, yeah, she did it's, say that. It's interesting. She's got her spies there, and maybe King George has his spies elsewhere too. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not, because nowhere is there any mention of King George knowing that Catherine loved someone else. Even if he did, I don't think that would change his mind. He was just doing it for power. He knew his son didn't love her. Mm -hmm. But Abigail was actually willing to marry King James, or Prince James. And we previously called her the nag with the bad attitude, because that's what Snow White called her. I don't think that anymore. Yeah, she's... She's we mentioned sweeter. this in the initial reactions. Yeah, she's so sweet. She's so nice. nice. <laughs> well, it's funny. My first first interaction with her, when they got introduced, she just looked at him and was like, huh, he'll do. So that's why. I mean, she did have a bad attitude before, but now we just well, see. Her, 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 her boyfriend was turned to gold. I would be kind of ticked off, too. I wonder if that was a fresh thing. Like, if that was... Yeah, I wonder was, how long that was yeah. ago. Like, maybe it was still fresh, and she was, that's why she had a bad attitude. But she did say she was willing to marry James for consolation. Which no. For consolation. I, I'm pretty sure. Well, no, wait. She said reconnecting him with his. Oh. Because she said, yeah. actually, I wrote down the quote. She said, we all have our own tragedies, lost love being the worst. And she thought that reconnecting him with his would be consolation. That's for right. Her. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me because I just looked at my quotation list and saw that she also said, I don't want to marry you either. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for that correction. And did you notice there were guards around Frederick's golden body? Yeah. And a, and a fire. Like oh, there were, were they, fires around. Oh, so they were stationed there. I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. I thought they just sort of came with her. Which kind of makes sense, though, mm-hmm. because people were... would be like, whoa, there's a giant piece of gold in the forest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get... Cut off an arm and ding, keep going. <laughs> a little hammer and chisel and everything. <laughs> now, I want to mention what's really neat about this story of using Frederick and Catherine here. There is a grim fairy tale called Frederick and Catherine. Really? 
But Catherine is spelled differently. It's C A. Oh, that's not the same one. E R I N E. <laughs> but the story is totally unrelated to this, seemingly. The story of Frederick and Catherine is that it's a married couple that uh, they they have trust issues with each other, and there are things like uh, some struggle over. Um, she like let all the beer spill out in the basement. The dog <laughs> ate the sausage. Then like there's this thing about they go so and it's a tragedy, right? And kind of, it's just like a string of unfortunate <laughs> events. But it is a husband and wife. And what I'm thinking is the way that they've set this up is they might not tell that story because it's not an exciting fairy tale. The story of Catherine and Frederick. It's, I think it's number 59, Jeremy, if you're looking it up in the Grimm's fairy tale book right now. <laughs> but they, it's not an intriguing story, but I think that they've set this up just with the names to maybe say, these are those characters who get married and then live in the forest, hide from King George and King Midas, and their life goes on. And the parable, not parable, the story of Catherine and Frederick is this these two people later on so i don't know if we'll cover that but it could just be like here are these two characters they'll be that later on you know what's interesting is we got into a lot of stuff in fairy tale this time that isn't isn't even supposed to be familiar to us yeah we're dealing with Catherine and frederick and this this uh siren which you know there are sirens in various stories but it wasn't anyone specific that we were necessarily like, oh, that's so-and-so, and and we recognize them from this Disney movie, and here's how they changed the story. It was just a fairy tale story that they... Fairy tale story is a little redundant, but it was just a fairy tale that they were telling us for Mm -hmm. the most part. Yeah. I thought it was cool that Abigail called James charming (laughs) whenever, (laughs) whenever he was willing to lay down his life. Although, the way he says it, it's like... Overly dramatic. Listen to this. I will face this, Guardian, and return with the water that will undo this wretched curse. None have succeeded. None have my fearless bravery. Or fearless disregard for their own safety. Either way. Again, we hear the heard the line just before that of all curses can be broken. And he says, have you tried true love's first kiss? And it's to it, my lips bleed. Yeah, which is <laughs> that was amazing. Sad. Well, Jeremy made a funny comment during that. <laughs> I, like, I thought it was a beautiful line, and then I was like, uh, "His helmet's down. That must have been difficult." Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that and thought that as well. Just, just keeps kissing his because if he's solid gold, that's not gonna the, the helmet's not gonna flip up. So no wonder her lips bled. If only he hadn't been wearing a helmet, that might have worked. He might not have to go through the whole siren thing. Where did she kiss him, I wonder? (laughs) On the mask. On the mask. (laughs) On the hand. You know. But yeah, that uh that whole none have my fearless bravery thing. What? That I don't know if it was the delivery. I I think he's been called charming much too many times. All these men died. Of course they were brave. If it were me writing that story, I probably would have... I like the whole trumped up... Not trumped up. The way they make the dialogue in fairy tales sometimes, they make it sound like a fairy tale. I kind of like that, but that particular line, he could have understated it and just said, they weren't me, or something like that. I thought that was a little... Mm. It bugged me. I thought that matched his his frustrating personality in Storybrooke, though. Because I was trying to find a link between... 
Storybrooke's the way he acted in Storybrooke and the way he always is portrayed in Fairytale Land. Um, and maybe this was it, the idea that it was getting a little bit too too much to his head and he was trying to do things his own way hmm, and not maybe. and disregard other people and I don't know. It was hard to find that connection at first because he seemed completely different in Storybrooke. I think so too. I think he's a coward in Storybrooke and I think he's a hero in Fairytale Land. I don't know how that got lost. Well, so he goes to the siren. And by the way, that's another time that they're borrowing from Greek mythology. Not so much fairy tales mm, because right. sirens were more an element of Greek mythology and of like pirate legends and the, uh, sirens in the sea. And I think even like in the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, um, maybe the fourth one, um, there are sirens. Or at some point they t- mentioned sirens. And at that back then I didn't know what they were. but here's this evil siren that maybe that's redundant to say that that has caused (laughs) all of these other men to fall to temptation and lust after her and she's trying to trap david and a couple things stood out to me dan you were talking about the crossover between james and david in this episode in fairy tale land James said to the siren, no, this isn't real love. In Storybrooke, Mary Margaret said to David, this isn't love. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nice crossover there. And illustrating again, things are like flipped back and forth between them. Now, what is, well, maybe we aren't there yet. I'll wait until we get to Storybrooke. Remind me of this. Okay. (laughs) I'll remind you of that. That works. By the way, the sirens, um, I also noticed that they were given a name. This is according to Wiki. Um, when the sirens were given a name of their own, they were considered the daughters of the river god, which I thought was neat because I always see sirens portrayed <laughs> in the river, but they actually had the river was uh, enchanted, and that's why they were guarding it. Mm. Sirens come from Greek mythology, right? Yeah. Right. That's I what was mentioned. So. They usually like either sang or somehow charmed the, um, what was it, just people on the ships. Yeah. Right. come over and yeah. crash into the... I'm thinking of the story of Odysseus. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mermaids and sirens in some legends kind of blend a little bit. That's what I'm thinking, In some of the, their behaviors and what they did. Yeah, I've seen it, them in a lot of movies where you think it's a mermaid, but they say it's a siren. It's like an evil mermaid. Right. Yeah, that's where some of the Greek mythology varies, is that sometimes sirens are portrayed as fully human-like. Yeah, sometimes mermaid. it is mermaids. Uh, with the you know with flint fins and f- flippers or whatever, and then in the future they got their legs and they all became nags with bad attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> no wait, that's Catherine. <laughs> She's not a siren. But then he he pursues the sword, and he is the first one who didn't fall temptation to her completely. He, he was like tempted a little, which bit, I thought was but. funny. He's like. I won't kiss you. And like two seconds later, they're making out. Yeah. <laughs> well, she kissed him all three or four times. It takes two to kiss. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really fighting it enough. No. <laughs> At all. <laughs> when they were underwater, I was first thinking that maybe she was going to come and give him air to breathe. Like she was taking him down oh, to really? give him what he was after. Like as a reward saying, you're the first one who's recognized this isn't real love. Congratulations. You can take some water. Oh, or I thought she was just ticked and like, you are going to <laughs> die yeah, the most miserable yeah. death. And that's what she was. <laughs> a bunch of other people down there too got 
no farther. I like the depth <laughs> of the lake too, because I thought it might, it was very shallow, a couple feet, but it was neat when his sword just fell straight through and it, it had a very mysterious appearance to it because mm. it did look shallow and, and timid and, and safe. So I liked that. Yeah. Hmm. Then he gets the water. And was it really just the lake water that he needed? Like, why couldn't he have just gone to the shore, gotten a cup full and left and not had to face the siren? Well, or when he had the water, just run. Like, I would have just ran, grabbed the water and I don't care who comes out of the water. I'm I'm not paying attention to it. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that simple for some reason. But then also try to give them that. (laughs) Is this water going to be good in the future? Or is it only like once you destroy the siren that the water's magical, then it loses its magical properties? Or that's a good question. And in the chat room, Riddle Raven mentioned something similar to that. She said, "Once he killed the siren, is the lake still magic? The water he collected before still was." I think it was. I don't. I think the siren just protected it because she, I don't know why, but I think she was just. I don't think she was a part of the magic of the lake. But Anne did point out that. Yeah, he had tried to get water, but the siren distracted him. I followed Jennifer Goodwin on Twitter, and before this episode, she said, one day till you see me body slam uh, Josh Dallas, <laughs> yeah, 14 James. feet underwater. <laughs> that was funny. By the way, that reminds, me of, tweets. that reminds me of two things I want to mention. One is the chat room. We've got a bunch of people in the chat room, and we've got Anne, Bookworm, uh, Doxen, Halbraju, Ajibo, whatever, and Riddle Raven, <laughs> Tast, E Cakes, Tasty Cakes, Abby, Fortuna, <laughs> Noni, Princess Emma, several anonymouses, and a bunch of people in there. And we're so happy for you to be in there. We do this live every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as Sunday evenings after an episode at 9.30 p.m. Now, there's no episode on TV this coming Sunday. It won't be until March 4th, Grammar Day, that our next episode will be. <laughs> but you can catch us still next Wednesday evening. We'll probably do another feedback episode because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Then the other thing that I wanted to mention is we just made a Twitter list with some help from our friends over at the Once Upon a Time podcast.com or fan podcast. Jeff and Roni over there had a list of all of the cast and crew you could follow on Twitter. So I took it and turned it into an actual Twitter list. So you can follow that list or what works great is open that list and watch that during a live show. That way you can see who of the cast and crew are tweeting. So you can check that out at twitter.com slash once podcast slash cast and crew with hyphens, which is a terrible link. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes <laughs> at oncepodcast.com slash 17. But if you follow us, once podcast on Twitter, then you'll see our list there. It's called Cast and Crew. It's one of our only lists. And by the way, there. Daniel, can you put your pronunciation in your little profile of your name? I saw someone do that. <laughs> so I was going to say, all you uh, in the chat room right now, if you don't want Daniel to botch up your name, just put like a pronunciation in there somehow, and then he has no excuse. Yeah, like our other podcast, one of them has his pronunciation and his signature. <laughs> yes, that's probably the one I, the only one I noticed. So, so back to fairy tale land. Not much else happened other than we got to see James going back to Red again. And the same scene from 7.15 a.m., but it's a little bit expanded this time. I have something to add. He says, yeah. 
Little Red Riding Hood knew, obviously, that Snow White was not there because she was there to tell James. But why was she there if she knew that Snow White wasn't going to be there? And she had a basket of food, no less. Who was she bringing food to? Does she just go and check and see if she's there? We Maybe. haven't seen her grandmother yet in Fairytale Land. Because that's, that's what she originally does. Mm. She brings the food yeah. to her grandmother. She does. Mm. Maybe it's Granny's cabin and Snow is staying there. Could be. Huh. And Although I think she was said she was alone, so I don't know. There's another fairy tale called Snow White and Ruby Red. And it's where Snow and Red are sisters, or Ruby Red are sisters. Really? And what? they're, yeah. Wow. It's it's a different fairy tale completely. It's like completely different Snow White too. Um, um, but it's uh, that they're sisters and they live together with their mother who is just a regular peasant woman. So it could be that they're blending these fairy tales together, which I think is kind of cool that they're blending mm-hmm. characters from multiple stories together. And, uh, well, I'll mention in a moment when we talk about Storybrooke. <laughs> I'm also wondering what it was that Snow White did for Little Red Riding Hood still. Because yeah. you remember when she said, I helped you when no one else would. I'm thinking Snow White was the hunter who helped Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, yeah, the Snow White said possibly. that to Red, Little mm-hmm. Red. Oh, okay. And then maybe they started both living with Granny maybe. Or, or Snow White. Granny. So it, it mixes, it changes things a little bit. Anything else about fairy tale land that we want to talk about? No, just that um, the chat room is saying the story is Snow White and Rose Red. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Ruby because that's... That's the person yeah, we're seeing Red's in the show. character in fairy tale or right. storybook. Yeah, sorry. My bad. Thank you, chat room, for correcting me. Let me, let me by the way, chat room, I'm sorry I didn't pay attention to you when you were screaming at proper pronunciations <laughs> to me last week. <laughs> that was bad form on my part. The other three of us noticed, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention at Abigail, uh, when she said, some people will stop at nothing to destroy the happiness of others. I thought it was kind of kind of cool because in Fairytale Land it was King George that she was talking about, uh-huh. but in Storybrooke it's Regina fits that description, yeah. which almost makes me wonder: Do King George and Regina hook up at any point? I don't know. They seem like they'd be perfect for each other. <laughs> They're both evil. Yes, they would. I thought it'd be funny if the, if Frederick um, tries to get Catherine a uh, or Abigail gold ring or something she's like no i want platinum it's like really the one thing your father can't make come up here <laughs> oh that that was one other thing about the catherine or frederick and catherine fairy tale that i forgot to mention is that part of the fairy tale is that frederick had some pieces of gold and that he hid them in the house but that catherine accidentally gave them away because they were hidden in something else and she accidentally gave them away huh. so i'm wondering oh. if like the, the way they're gone, setting the this up gone. is the gold was <laughs> was maybe part of what he had on him stayed gold, and then they kept that for themselves <laughs> to be able to have a life together. His pinky toe on his left foot. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Here, I'll cut this off and we can eat for a year. <laughs> By the way, um, one thing, last thing I really have to say about Fairytale Land is when... Um, Little Red and James are running away from um, the king. I almost thought of like one of those like the make fun of old um, <laughs> knights movies type thing where you see all the knights 
galloping towards the person and then they show the person like oh no the knights are coming and then the knights are still the same distance away (laughs) (laughs) and just did that like they weren't that far away but then they shoot an arrow and it hits like the bag of bread at the bottom that fell off the the horse i thought that was a little lame seize that bread (laughs) that was terrible terrible aim the bad guys are conveniently bad aim yeah yeah (laughs) at the perfect times yeah let's move on into storybrook then it starts with this awkward chicken dinner with david and Catherine. and why does she want to go into law school it I'm, seems I'm, like there would be something important about that. But I so she can file out. for a divorce yeah. at a cheaper price. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I made a note of that too. I was thinking, is that is that um important or is it related to a character I, somehow? I think it would be, but I can't figure out how it would be. I was gonna say I was more concerned with the fact why does everyone want to go to Boston? <laughs> yeah. Like Emma's from Boston, well, Boston. Cinderella, you know, is trying to go to she was trying to go to Boston too, I think, yeah. right? And yeah. Ruby wanted to go to Boston. She wanted to go to Boston. And now Yeah. It's it's apparently the closest major metropolis. It's not the closest big city, but it's, it seems like it's the closest major metropolis. Why don't they want to go to New York? <laughs> well, everybody wants to go to New York. <laughs> Boston was the portal from Fairy Tale World to um our world. That's where Emma exited. Like when she went through the door when she was Are you saved. Sure? Oh, what? Oh, that's right. We don't really that. know that, do we? No, we don't know that. Hmm. We should go back and look at the newspapers. Yeah, you're, you're the clippings came from to see right. what they say as far as well, what I've, paper they were in. I'm just yeah, wondering if they're all going to no. go to Boston at some point in the future. There's got to be something about the law school thing. I just can't figure out what. So, listeners, this would be a great opportunity for you to theorize in the forums over at oncepodcast.com/forums, and it's really easy to join. Join in there. Post your theories about why you think law school. I don't know. It's probably something I think it's just something normal people sometimes want to do. <laughs> and she's, you know, she believes she's a normal person, not a fairy tale character. That's going to be my theory. Could be. <laughs> but there was a sad line that she said, maybe we've been fighting too hard to capture old memories when we should have been making new ones instead. Mm. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, in, Mar- in the whole progression we see of Mary, Margaret, and David in this episode, this is right after the Valentine's Day card switch-up mix-up embarrassment thing. thing. Yeah. Yep. So, it seems like Mary, Margaret then has feelings after that of just like, really? You're still pursuing two women and you still haven't decided? That's why... She brings it back to, you have to choose. And David says, well, I choose you. Again, he said that before. Yeah, he's not really... I mean, the whole thing's messed up. He's not really following through on what he says, if nothing else. He's kind of annoying me. But Mary Margaret said, if we can't be honest with other people, how can we be honest with each other? Good good line. And we see through the episode that David can't be honest with others. He's being such a coward. Like yeah. he's not, he's he's just not really telling the truth. He's not he's not. What was that line that Catherine said that would be the um, the something thing to do? Honorable. Uh, the honorable thing. He's not being honorable. He's not being charming and storybook. Well, we can. It really comes back to the whole thing of fake mer- marriage versus real marriage thing. But like <laughs> yeah. the whole situation isn't honorable, right? But 
they're not really married in the first place. It's all a deception, but it's... And it's yet they don't know sticky. that. So And so yeah. that's what I had said before, but I've changed my mind since then because as far as they know, they're married. And so he should be honoring that. Yeah. In a, you know, in a sense, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a strange yeah, thing. I, well, it's odd, too, because he doesn't have any memories in the past. Like, he didn't have, I mean, sort of when he went to Mr. Gold Shop, something triggered um, having the, the memories that were from Storybrooke, the part of the curse, like the fake memories. But because he woke up not knowing who he was at first, he doesn't really remember his past. So, for him, he is more his Prince Charming fairy tale world self than a lot of other people mm. are just because he didn't have the curses full impact of fake memories upon him when he uh, when he arrived mm-hmm. it's interesting that catherine though had said later to regina that he never <laughs> looked at her with yeah. that kind of love even before the accident so she has some kind of implanted memories of before the accident mm-hmm. yes but even yeah i noted that too even in her false memories she doesn't see him looking at her the way he looks at Mary Margaret. You think Regina would make her, her memories actually feel like he loved her before the curse? Or, you know, before if the she fake could. memories, basically. I don't know. She can't fake true love. Which I think, by the way, going back to Regina, every episode, I hate Regina more and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Skeleton keys. Oh, especially the first time we watched it, she was making me nervous and mad all at the same time toward the end. I was just like, somebody do something about this woman. I suppose that's what's, I mean, I guess that's the point of the show so far. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Although it was interesting in the intro clip of reviewing things and they mention breaking the spell, they show both Emma and the stranger, which is, we now know is August. Huh. Yeah. I don't go by that. Just a, yeah. What, we all um, knew how good the little intros helped us the last time. What was in the title screen this week? I missed it both times I saw it. Oh, it was the little um, gazebo with the golden Frederick. In oh, the okay. Yeah. Huh. By the way, Jeremy and I were discussing this a little bit. Um, we have Regina in this, and she's powerful and everything else, but we're trying to think who's going to stop her. Um, Mr. Gold hasn't been, in, he, he hasn't been showing up in this episode at least right. we didn't see rumpelstiltskin or mr gold at all and mm. i was trying to remember if it's the first time that that's happened that we haven't seen either one of them even for a moment some um theories i haven't gone too deep on is that august is working with maleficent and hmm. the crows i was thinking like you know where is she in this and jeremy's like oh it's because she got turned into a crow <laughs> i'm thinking maybe that's her disguise and the crows is her and she's actually, because mm. she would be in here somewhere, if because the curse would actually go against her, but she had the curse recipe, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so she probably had some counter thing towards it. And by the way, I think it's actually a raven instead of a crow. Is it a raven? Yeah. Well, what was she in the, in, like in the Disney well, movies? Well, in the Disney movie, she was never a bird, but she, she had, had a pet raven. Yeah. So either they are, the ravens are giving her information or she actually is could be a raven like maybe since you know they're best frenemies then oh, maybe gosh. the raven always hangs around regina so yeah. but that's odd little detail yeah i mean mm-hmm. maleficent isn't well in her words moral <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know yeah i don't know she's 
she might be fighting Regina, but she's not exactly like the mascot of good. So I don't know what purpose that would serve. Now, going to talking about the stranger, he wants to pursue Emma because he's he's been hoping to bump into her, as he says. And his name, August Wayne Booth. Noni had done some research and she discovered and uh, she lost the link to this, but she's going to get the link again for us and we'll try and have it in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 17. But she did some research and discovered that the Grimm brothers had an assistant whose name was uh, Auguste, which is August with just a little extra vowel at the end. Really? Yeah. And what is this guy doing? He is binding the book, maybe adding new pages. Yeah, maybe writing things in it as well. But it it could be maybe that he is an assistant to the story writers. Maybe See, I wanted him writer. to be Rumpel's son, but I didn't. I don't know oh. if I really want him to be apart from the whole storybook, unless he was a scribe in Fairy Tale Land or something like that. The problem with being a Grimm or associated with the Grimms is how is he still alive? Yeah, or even if it's Rumpel's son. Well, that's okay. If, well, if he's working with Maleficent, if he was somehow protected from the curse, and oh, never mind, because he would have been much, much, much older in See, Fairy Tale. I think most of the theories of his being Rumpelstiltskin's son forget that detail that Rumpelstiltskin's son would have to be 80 years old. Unless something happened to his son and or Rumpel's wife, he says he lost them and she's, quote, dead or not dead or something. What if Mm. some different curse sent them to our world and they came out at the same time, time could be relative between the two worlds. Wow. There could be uh, another reason that they came through at the same time or... Something. I was just shocked by Daniel's face of his epiphany. <laughs> well, because <laughs> I just, I got, what you were saying gave me this idea of, okay, maybe, like you're saying, uh, Rumpelstiltskin's wife and son he, were precious to him and he didn't want to lose them, but he somehow did, maybe because it's when he created the dark curse <laughs> it hmm. affected them sent hmm. them into storybrook or sent them or somewhere to you know, into our world and that was the creation of the curse and that's why he never used it again and wanted to get rid of it because he lost the thing he loved hmm. the most hmm. i do have one like possible hole in the theory though already <laughs> i want to hear it Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It, it's not necessarily a hole. If if the stranger really is the boy who found Emma and he was seven, I think Rumpel's son was much older than seven yeah. already. Again, well, same problem as uh, This theory Henry. is completely separate from who found True. Emma. Except for the way they pieced those scenes together. I think yeah. they were implying that if we know nothing else about the stranger, we can guess that he's probably the one who found Emma. But maybe not. I love the thing of, um, what was it, when August was asking Emma to ride on the motorcycle with him. And this is, I know, jumping forward just a little bit, but it was a great line from him and the exchange of uh, he and Emma (laughs) and then Granny. 
How about you stop having to control everything and take a leap of faith? You owe me a drink. Hop on. I know a good watering hole. If you don't, I will. <laughs> if you watch the background characters in that scene, then you'll see that both Granny and Ruby are slowly making their way from the diner and just looking and checking out the stranger. Ruby was there? Yeah. I think she, was she there does too. ask when he gets in, who was that? Or is that, wait, did she ask her Mary Margaret? Oh, that was uh, Margaret. earlier. Okay. But, right. Yeah. Why did the stranger, hmm. I mean, That's August, why did August tell Emma that she owed him a drink? Because she promised him already by that time. To, to have a drink with him. Not oh. necessarily that she owes buying him a drink, but she owes having a drink with oh, him. okay. I wonder if this is the drink that he's always had in mind. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe he had to get her to that well for some reason. And by the way, what stories have we seen a wishing well in? Snow White? Jack and Jill. We... <laughs> 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 They could totally put Jack and Jill in here somewhere. <laughs> there could be some epic reason that they end up falling down a hill and breaking their heads and stuff. <laughs> breaking their heads. Yeah, why <laughs> not have Humpty crowd. Dumpty in here too? <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> but when when uh, the stranger is there, just after that, there's that funny exchange between Emma and Mary Margaret. And that inspires the whole thing of David needs to do something. And Mary Margaret's like, Oh, David is going to do something. He's going to tell her the truth. We're going to be open and honest about this. And David of all things is ironically gets on a knee when he's talking to Catherine and basically telling her we can't keep doing this, but he fails at actually being honest with her. But uh, I just hate that whole situation. Going back to the stranger, I want to talk about the scene of the stranger working with the book. We were trying to figure out previously what he was doing with the book. I felt like it was a restoration procedure. It's not, though. It's not. I mean, well, what are you thinking? Restoring what? Well, the condition of the book. Doing, I've, and you know, and this is me not knowing much, if anything, about the actual restoring of old books, but. I have this vague memory that they do treat the pages with potentially some sort of solution to to wash them or preserve them. That could be completely bogus, I suppose. Well, Mia um, from our forums uh, mentions, actually, I forget now if it was ours or somewhere else I found for Google, uh, said that he did a new binding, though leaving the old cover so Henry and Emma wouldn't get suspicious. And he said, uh, I studied publishing, so I learned how to do that. And then gave a little wink with a smiley face. <laughs> and Jane Spenson, one of, one of the writers on Once Upon a Time, had tweeted saying that he was aging the pages as really? he was dipping them in that stuff. <gasps> yeah, because what he was doing, he would get them wet, he would hang them up too dry, then he would put them in the book. So maybe he still has the original book and that was a copy? Could be, or he has it memorized. Now, the stories that he was adding... Well, we know he took the original book. Yeah. So, if he didn't give it... I mean, if he was aging oh, pages, so then that would he mean he recreated the original book, it. Recreated the pages inside. Oh, okay. He had paint and all kinds of stuff in there. So, I mean, he, he had all the stuff hmm. to make the illustrations, to make the pages. So, if, he was, if that was an aging process, 
then he didn't give the original book back. Well, he oh. gave the original binding. Right. That makes sense now, because I thought I was saying that he was making it look like it had been worn and aging it somehow, but Let's, I didn't... Yeah. Yeah, here's, here's more evidence to that. I just realized, thinking about the scene again, as we see that scene, at first he's dipping some pages in some liquid, and by the way, the picture... Uh, we can see the text fairly well. The first story that we see is the story of Snow White and Rose Red on those pages that he's dipping in the water. Just, or the liquid, just to the right of that is the book. Or you see at least the cover of mm. the book. He goes, he hangs up those pages. He goes and pulls down other pages, which by the way, the story on that is the story of the golden bird about a feather and a bird that was all gold and golden apples and stuff. Hmm. He pulls those pages down, which are now dry. He puts them onto a book and starts binding them in. But keep in mind, we saw Henry's book just a second ago in the same scene. We did? Over on the counter. Okay, now I want to see it again. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I want to look at that again and make it. sure. It was all one scene, right? Um, that, yeah. But I have to say that I just did another quick search and I did find some albeit kind of do-it-yourself, instructions on cleaning mold and stains from antique books, and it includes instructions for mixing one part hydrogen peroxide and one part water into a bowl and dipping the pages and drying them and things like that. So, I mean, I guess some of that is going to come down to whether Henry starts commenting on how the book seems like it's in better condition than it used to be or not. Someone else, the person I was quoting earlier mentioned also that he thinks he's the, the, uh, the stranger's the caretaker of the book. Going back to this idea of being one of the Grimm. Grimm's assistant mm. or an assistant to whoever wrote mm -hmm. the book is that, yeah, like you're saying, he takes care of it. It's his job yeah. to protect it. Yeah, the caretaker thing is kind of a vibe that I've gotten from the whole thing, which, you know, cleaning it up would I like that with a that. whole lot better than being Rumpelstiltskin's son or Pinocchio or the Grimm, one of the Grimm brothers themselves. Because I just, I just don't really want to see one of the Grimm brothers. And that would solve the age problem. The, the job could have passed down to him. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Could even explain how he knew to find Emma, depending on where she was found. Oh, and one of the anonymous people in our chat room mentioned that our friends from the Once Upon a Time fan podcast were saying that maybe he had gotten water from the well and was using that in the book. And the water from the well supposedly brings back what was once lost. Ooh. And so maybe he's recovering lost stuff from the book. Ooh, pieces that were missing. Could be. Hopefully not the end. At least not if Regina's going to get her hands on it. Well, what we saw him putting in was to the beginning, not the end. Because hmm. he was just looking at the pages, the, the, where the pages were sitting. He was adding to the top of the stack, not the bottom right. of it. The sides of the binding, the binding was to the left. He was adding to the top. So the, we saw him add the story of the golden bird onto the top of these pages. So it's near the beginning of the book. But isn't a book put together yeah. so that like the first page is also like connected to the last page of the book? No, not this one. Um, that's the way it usually is on small booklets. But in this, because I was thinking that same thing that 
but that would mean that these, these pages are wrapping all around. Pages, yeah. if I remember right, they have several. Um, I forget the terminology yeah. now, but several that are tucked inside of each other, and then they have um, then they're stitched into the binding, and then you have another set of several pages that are tucked inside. Oh. Right. So sort of what you're thinking, but instead of just being like a staple in the middle for a small pamphlet, it has a bunch of them, and they're just sewed together. Yeah. So it's kind of like a bunch of booklets put together. And there were a couple pictures on some of the pages in the background, too. And I got screenshots of those. We'll have those in the show notes at com slash 17. But I would love to hear everyone's theories about what he was doing. And we can chat about that in the forums over at onceforums.com. Also, guys, look for a Wayne booth. I was, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, he's emphasized that the W was for Wayne, especially yeah. since Emma mentioned it. But that could be his father, or someone that, if he did inherit the job of taking care of the book, someone from before, I don't know. But I'm, I'm wondering if instead of looking for August, the August is, doesn't mean anything, but Wayne Booth would be. The stranger does say, say what you want about me. I always tell the truth. Huh. Could, which could be a lie. <laughs> Wait, we passed right over the scene where um, Catherine comes to see Mary Margaret and slaps her right in oh. the middle of school. Oh, yes. During pickup. <laughs> during pickup and bumps like into that. frederick on the way yeah. yeah yeah i made note of that was do you think he was a soccer coach or like a pe coach i don't know but i was frustrated that everyone else seems to be trying to pursue their past now somehow or at least has a role that what they did in their fairy tale world sometimes reflects um storybrook but frederick wasn't even pursuing anyone else he seemed to just be stuck at the school and he seemed to have a bad attitude not but, just about being bumped into but he seemed like a bit ticked about something beyond just being bumped into. Oh, really? I didn't uh, think so. I I mean, he got bumped. I'd be like, what are you? Oh, hey. <laughs> and that's probably what he was thinking. Like, this is my past wife. Well, I, mean, I didn't mean said, it in a weird way, guys. All I said was, watch where you're going. Yeah, but he said it kind of with an attitude. Because and he got bumped. <laughs> I think it was more than Violently. that. Because the reason I'm saying that is... He's the one that discovers Catherine's crashed vehicle later on as Catherine was trying to leave Storybrook. What was he doing out there? I know. I don't yeah. understand that. that was yeah. weird. Maybe he was trying to leave too because he was mad about being at uh, the school or mad about something. And that's why he had a, a bad attitude at the school when he was bumped. <laughs> Are you calling him a nag? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the whole bad attitude is a bit of a stretch, but I don't really know why he's out there by himself. See, this is what I was approaching the city limits. Unless he was trying to leave too, that's maybe, and that that could be interesting. They could show us that, but that's what I was saying. I think in the initial reaction podcast is that they need to have a couple of crossroads right there by the edge of town that people could be (laughs) heading toward when they happen upon somebody crashed at the at the city limits because. Otherwise, it is like, what are you doing out there? It's not like you want to go anywhere. I was a little frustrated with the okay when Emma was going to leave and bring. Hansel and Gretel, um, outside of Storybrooke. She stopped right at the sign of Storybrooke. It says, welcome, or now leaving Storybrooke. Uh, she was fine. They were fine. Then they get back to their family, blah, blah, blah. So now we have Catherine leaving, but she has an accident, a wreck, right before the sign. She didn't leave Storybrooke yet, but she still had something bad happen to her, even though she didn't really technically leave it yet. She was trying to leave. Yeah. Every time yeah, I've seen it, it's been trying. before the sign. No one's made it past the sign. That's the point. I yeah. thought Cinderella. Cinderella it. didn't make it. 
She nope. didn't make it she fast. She didn't make it. No. Um, she she crashed at the same spot. So just the thought of trying to leave causes bad omens. Wait, who did you say? Hansel and Gretel? Well, they, she was, Emma's trying hurt? to leave. They were trying. Emma's leaving with them, and then she stopped right at the sign that well, says now stopped. leaving Storybrooke. Right. No yeah, catastrophe so we, happened, happened because she stopped. Right. It, do, do, can we know that for sure? She implied it when he asked, but it seemed like the engine... I mean, the engine was making noises. It really seemed like she stalled out. Unless she just turned off the car or Why put it in the neutral. kid had been a manual and just messed up the gears? You know what I mean? Like, it was just her and the kids. Why would she, why would she do that? Nobody maybe was watching. Was, maybe she was expecting it to happen. So when it started happening, she was just like, all right, fine. Because, <laughs> you know, Henry, every time, every time she talks about somebody leaving then he's always like no bad things happen we will try to leave comes wild-eyed henry yeah <laughs> <laughs> so maybe she just knew what to expect and maybe. saw someone um anon says that Catherine's in the room next to bell in the mental institution i wonder Catherine. oh oh i'm thinking the same thing you, you think regina right. i thought the stranger her, yeah. took her or so or mr gold like there's always some other person or sydney Sydney's doesn't have a dumb. backbone. Well, he's, he cut the the brakes or messed with the brakes in Emma's car. Yeah, but he's just, he's kind of dumb. He's a pansy. <laughs> he's a he, puppet. He still loves Regina. She's de- he's mm-hmm. definitely her puppet still. Yeah. Although we didn't really see him in this episode, he was referred to when he was spoken of. So let's talk about that well. When when the stranger August takes Emma there. He's all like almost romantic about the well. Eh. And by the way, that well looks like it's the same well from The Price of Gold. Maybe it's just because they use the same prop or maybe it's supposed to actually be the same well. I'm hoping it's because they use the same prop and that we actually that it's actually it makes more sense to me that it's underneath is the lake yeah. of the siren. I like how it he could be both. how he said that the well is fed by a lake cuz that kind yeah. of ties it to you. Oh, that's true. It could be fed by one. That's true. Everybody keeps saying that whole story broke on top of fairy tale land thing. And I keep saying, no, that's dumb. They went somewhere else. But this really did sound that way. We mm-hmm. keep seeing evidence of remnants of fairy tale underneath Storybrook. Yeah. I mean, remember the glass coffin? It's uh-huh. under there. Yeah. And along, along with the thing that looks like a wormhole. <laughs> and who knows what else is down there because Regina just didn't want, I mean, she's, she wanted to pave it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Why Sorry. bother mentioning right. being I, fed by an underground lake? I just had flashbacks of her saying, and we're going to pave it. That whole <laughs> scene yeah, was just exactly. too funny. <laughs> and then Henry just was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There, we haven't been talking much about lost crossovers or Easter eggs because we haven't been looking for them and noticing them as much. But there was one thing here that I think is both important to the story and is a little bit of a lost Easter egg, maybe, is what he was saying, what August was saying about the water. Water is a very powerful thing. Cultures as old as time have worshipped it. It flows throughout all lands connecting the entire world. If anything had mystical properties, if anything had magic, well, I'd say it'd be water. He seems to, you know, be really, like, well-rounded and things that he knows. I'm not a sip of my water after I heard that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, not only is he talking about water and its magical powers, but in (laughs) Lost, there is also a spot where they talk about 
people messing with water and light and doing some amazing things with water and light, which when I saw that in Lost was odd, but now it's also in Storybrooke here. Huh. And so probably, maybe it's, it comes from some mythology that we haven't researched well enough. Well, uh, well, it does. The whole thing about water, and that is true. A lot of science fiction, a lot of fantasy. Heard it makes written. plants grow. Yeah, and that water is a precious resource to everything. And that's why most major cities are right next to water, uh, because it's so precious. Precious. That makes me think of Rob Stilsky when he says, when he tells Regina to find the thing that's precious. And kill it. Kill it. <laughs> so we didn't say precious. Regina tried to give something precious to Henry. As and Henry kid. just seemed so uh, he doesn't trust frustrated her. about that. He I was trust frustrated. her at all. And was like, forget books. Here's a video game. <laughs> I love you, son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go burn your mind out with this. <laughs> <laughs> and the the video game we talked about this last time was it maybe a hint at um, the Adam Hor- or the Kitsis Horowitz thing at the end of the movie. Or the video show. But it's also Space Paranoids. I knew I'd heard that name before. And in the chat room or in the forums, someone had mentioned this too. And I suddenly clicked. It's from Tron. By mm-hmm. the way, Disney made Tron. Space Paranoids was the game that Flynn, the character in Tron, created. Yay, go Flynn. That <laughs> Incom, the big company, stole Encom, from. Right? Yeah. That's what I said. Stole from <laughs> Flynn. And they claimed it was their game. And so there was the whole thing about uh, Flynn's fight to say that Space Paranoids was his game. I don't think much of that is really tying into this. I think it's more just a nice little nod to Disney. And Tron takes place in the 80s. Say so, Tron is also like the third world of the curse or something. <laughs> so <laughs> this, if she's going to get him a video game... Do they even make video games like that? Besides special edition crossovers for diehard fans of the movie, they don't make games that simple in a system like that quite. They could. I think it was about $2 at, you know, Sneezy's shop, (laughs) and she's really not getting him a very good gift. I want to call a theory right now. She spent more on the wrapping paper. If ABC doesn't let them set an end date and they have to drag this show out, there's going to be a Tron season. <laughs> one of the curses is going to banish them to the world of Tron, and and they'll have to get out of that one with, I don't know, something. It's the dark binary curse. And then they'll be back to Storybrooke, and they'll say, yay, I'm a llama again. Oh, oh. Kim wrote in some feedback, and she said, when Emma says, it's all in the wrists, uh, Kim says that is also a quote from the first movie, which Kevin Flynn says oh. after setting the high score. Yeah, Funny. that's right. Especially since with a little handheld like that, it couldn't be true. <laughs> yeah, that it's like cool. all on the wrist. You're holding it kind of. <laughs> I, I thought when I heard her say that, I thought she just threw it out there because that's what everyone says, you know, about fishing or about almost anything that you do yeah. is they'll say eh, it's all in the wrist. And I thought <laughs> that's why Emma threw it out there is just to try and connect with Henry somehow. But that's that's <laughs> awesome. Thanks for bringing that up. By the way, too, Tron Legacy soundtracks only three ninety nine at Google Music. I bought that yesterday. I was happy. Speaking of soundtracks, <laughs> oncepodcast.com slash soundtrack yes. to get the soundtrack from iTunes. It's still not in the Amazon MP3 store yet, but you can get it from iTunes and it's awesome. V, 
the uh, we already mentioned how Tramp was painted on the side of Mary Margaret's car. Yeah, yeah, it was hers. I think so because why would they paint it onto David's car? Right, I re- he's not <laughs> yeah. a Tramp. She had this reaction. Yeah. she was really frustrated. Like, who did this? And David looked like he was trying to make amends because he knows he messed up. And the red spray can, spray paint can, was in the drawer along with the skull keys. Stinking oh, Regina, me too. Like. She, you see the red spray paint as she's reaching to grab the letter, but why does she burn the letter and then throw it in the fire? That just she just <laughs> wants to make sure it's gone. I guess that was just there, really silly. there's more fun about holding something and lighting okay, it on fire I've burned than just things before, putting it in before a fire. cutting them up. I agree with away. Nani in the chat room. They should Noni. have, huh? Noni, Noni. Oh, they said no. You don't agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what'd she say? She said they should have put it on David's car. <laughs> Because, I mean, he was the one that was, I mean, well, yeah, they were both doing the thing, but it's just David was the less honorable of them. Someone else did say that um, Catherine should have gone and slapped David first, not Mary Margaret. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because uh, he's the one that's doing the cheating. And, And they blow it up a bit. Like Regina said, they've been having an affair, but the most they've done is just kiss. Yeah, but... Which it's that's a, yeah, and that's go bad on enough. picnics yeah. and have tea and so an have an emotional it's okay, entanglement Daniel, to go and kiss other girls. No, no, no. <laughs> oh boy! So digging your hole, like, dig, digging your hole. <laughs> the community is acting as if they've had sex, which they haven't. But it's communicating still that this is an affair that she's being involved with a married man. Well, Regina's always blown things up. Yeah. She's always <laughs> over She blew up yeah. the uh, playground. She blew up the. <laughs> <laughs> and that was around the time when Mary Margaret then said to David, This isn't love. I love how when we were watching the first time and Regina's telling Catherine, Yeah, Sydney brought me pictures, but I buried it. <laughs> I guess she was referring to the story, but then Catherine demands to see the pictures and Regina walks over to her desk, <laughs> takes a few things off the top of her inbox and pulls the envelope out. And Jenny right goes, right next to the spray paint. <laughs> yeah. And Jenny goes, guess she didn't bury it very deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I have them right here. Yeah, convenient. <laughs> Everything's in her desk. Like everything that she needs to expose people and everything else is right there. I mean, even that box that we think still has the heart is mm-hmm. sitting right on her desk. And it's weird, too, like, Catherine was able to just walk up. Remember when she intruded on um, Henry and Regina? She was able to just walk up and say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking, what's the security in there? Like, anyone can just go in and grab Regina's Well, it's the mayor's thing? office, and the mayor was there, so oh, everything was unlocked. True. Catherine had said to Regina that you're good with plants, which I think is funny since... The tree. Regina uses <laughs> several plants for her evil purposes. Like she used the vines to capture Hansel and uh, Gretel. She used the vines to threaten those with the darkest hearts around the fire when she was going <laughs> to enact the curse. She mm-hmm. has the apple tree. I had to agree with her. She seems to be better with plants than she is with people. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And That's then true. Catherine is afraid to leave town. I've always had this irrational fear of leading Storybrooke. Like something's just holding me back. Is that crazy? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> she to- I think Regina is totally aware. In fact, I'm sure she's totally aware that there is a curse on the town and nobody can leave it. So I think she just kind of omitted the truth. I was like, fine. You want to you wanna go up against the curse? Go, oh. Go. Yeah. And by that point... Hurt. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. She and by that point, she's encouraging. She, yeah, maybe th- maybe this is exactly what you need. Maybe you'll find what you're looking for. <sighs> by that point, she's got a plan. Yeah. Already, she's. I don't know what specifically, but I'm liking the. I'll just take you down to be Belle's uh, roommate or <laughs> next door neighbor. Princess Emma says that uh, Regina must be related to Poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah, so too. Yeah. One one other thing about that leaving thing is that I wonder if part of the curse and part of the fake memories everyone has is this subtle fear of leaving. And that's why everyone has stayed. Because isn't it strange for everyone to stay in a town and not even try to leave. Well, maybe yeah. a couple people have tried to leave. It's maybe the curse is not them getting hurt if they leave, but just thinking they'll get hurt if they leave. And Regina has had some type of play no, on no. causing anyone to crash or something. No, if I they think try. I think there is something bad that happens. There's some part of the curse that keeps them from leaving. But I think part of their fake memories is also this internal fear, like Catherine just said, this odd unexplained fear of yeah. leaving storybook yeah not necessarily fear like i'm gonna die if i try and leave but just fear of what'll happen if i go somewhere else can i live some you know just that kind of fear that it's a simple fear that keeps people from doing something they've established pretty well that they've been in a haze if they didn't notice you know a 28 year pregnancy and <laughs> things like that well they're they aren't conscious of time yeah right so i I think it makes perfect sense that their perception of whether they should ever leave town or not is also affected. Which the pregnancy was, um, okay, Cinderella, what's her name in? Ashley. Okay, Ashley. Her going into labor and having the baby was part of breaking the curse. So when she left and she, the curse of, if we think that the curse caused her to crash, then it's sort of silly because in the curse caused her to go into labor right then to crash i mean it goes against each other like her having going to labor and having the child was against the curse so it wasn't the curse causing her to do that in order to crash well i think that was i think she had the baby because time started again after emma got there right but i mean I'm, i'm thinking that maybe people can leave um I think they or Ruby Red can leave and go. She wants to go to Boston. Well, I was talking about this in the forums with some of the others there over at onesforums.com or <laughs> onespodcast.com slash forums. And mentioning that so far when people have tried to leave, there have been logical explanations for why they couldn't, even though we know there's something bad that happens. It's like, like a fate thing. Yeah. It, yeah. Like the, fo- the not fox, but the, the wolf in the road when Emma tried mm-hmm. to leave, the... Uh, Ashley going into labor when she tried to leave, and we can assume that she started going into labor. The pain was too great. She lost control of the vehicle. But then this one, how is there going to be a reasonable explanation for this? Or was it an accident that Frederick found, whatever his uh, name is in Storybook, was it an accident that he found her car? Like, was her car somehow supposed to be hidden, removed, and everyone just would just assume that she moved to Boston. Huh, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. Storybrooke has a smoke monster. It's <laughs> keeping everybody inside. <laughs> Maybe he showed up in the middle of the Operation Dispose of Catherine. <laughs> <laughs>
not Operation Cobra, just Operation Dispose of Catherine. I like that. <laughs> when you mentioned the insane asylum and the the, uh, the prospect of Catherine being sent there by Regina, it made me remember some feedback that somebody gave. It's like, I can't remember who, but they think that the creepy dude that was standing outside of <laughs> Bell's door was maybe Gaston. He didn't look like him, did he? Well, the the idea was that he'd been transformed from his elegance into something ugly. But Jana Spenson had tweeted an answer to people asking what happened to Gaston. And the answer was that he was turned into that flower. Oh, okay. so he wasn't transported. Right. Yes. And I think Bell the really did cut answer. off his feet. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> off with By his the feet. Way, off with his feet. The whole idea with um, when Emma and Emma and August, the stranger, are discussing at the well. Emma says something about the idea of the water being magic, and says you sound a lot like Henry. And I thought it was neat that the stranger or August says, um, you know, what does he say? Like smart kid. Mm-hmm. And it was neat because it's like he knows something about Henry. He's shown interest in Henry and. I think Henry has a huge, he's powerful some way. He's not just the kid who knows and tries to get people to tell. I think there's more to it. And I'm wondering if August, especially if he is going to be like the protector of the book or the stories, he knows more about Henry's future or past or something like that than Mm -hmm. anyone else does. Could be. But it was just a little tiny detail in there, him recognizing Henry's talent and ability to know these things that other people sort of pass pass up. So, wondering if we're going to find more about that later on. By the way, I want to give credit to Kim, who had sent in the email uh, with some of the details about space paranoids being from Tron and Kevin Flynn, all of that. I didn't have her email in front of me at the time, but she had sent that in as clarification there. Regina mentioned that she'd been in love before once. So, just once. Yeah. I, I think that's consistent, mm-hmm. but we still don't know for certain what that one love was, unless she was saying there's only one podcast I love. That's once. exactly what she was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time anyone says the word "once" anymore, I think our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping that the next episode. Uh, it's great when they reveal things that you wonder what happened, but I think between James leaving the castle and then finding out why he left the castle, there was several episodes and several weeks in between that. So I'm wondering if they're going to not come back to this for another four or five episodes and then bring it back in the finale or something. I hope not. I hate when I have to wait (laughs) and then change my whole train of thought and on different characters. I'm interested to know what they'll do for the end of this finale of this season because there, the curse. there are rumors that ABC has renewed for a second season. It's not a definite announcement, but there are rumors around there that uh, it seems like ABC has definitely renewed. And this is episode 13. There are still nine more episodes after this. So we've still got a lot. That's seven hours of content left. I love how you subtracted the commercial time. (laughs) Content. (laughs) Not TV watching. Content. Okay, I withdraw my prediction that the curse would be broken this year. But Emma, I think, will believe by the end of the year. For some reason. 
That could be an awesome cliffhanger. She'll have some sort of irrefutable revelation ev- evidence that what Henry's saying is true. Yeah, and it'll be like, I know what I have to do. Boom. <laughs> the season ends <laughs> with a nice lost sound effect. Exactly. Which they actually do. Well, listeners, we would love to have your feedback. And again, there is no episode of Once Upon a Time this Sunday on the uh, the 27th or 28th of... I'm looking at the wrong calendar. But there's no episode this Sunday for Once Upon a Time. There will be the next episode on the 4th of March. Wait, there isn't? Nope, no, <laughs> I didn't even know about this. Why? <laughs> yeah, because they, I guess, need a little break. <laughs> they Why? did this for Super Bowl. I didn't even care for the Super Bowl. Well, I'd rather, well writing did, and producing but... episodes takes time. And it, I heard somewhere, like, I was really into the Heroes TV show in the first season. And only the first season. They, what they said about that, it. they occasionally had to do this where it would take a one week break, is it takes at least for that TV show, it took 10 days to produce an episode. So if you air an episode every seven days, you're going to have a And point I'd rather them spend the time and do good, solid episodes than some of the ones we have seen in the past. But yeah, I'll wait then if it's going to be good, which it will be. Oh, and also Noni in the chat room pointed out Oscars are next week. <laughs> Oscars? Might have a little to Oscars? do with it. I don't care about the Oscars. I know. I would rather watch Once Upon a Time. <laughs> several in the chat room are saying that. Put the awards show somewhere else and just stream Stupid it online Oscars. and let us watch what we want to watch <laughs> on your networks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listeners, we would love to have your feedback for the podcast of your theories and such. So we will record a live episode next Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time over at noodle.mx slash live. And that will be a feedback and kind of review episode. And we'll address some of this excellent feedback that we've gotten from our listeners. But the forums are always open 24-7, as long as I don't break anything. You can go to (laughs) oncepodcast.com slash forums to join the forums and talk there. We've got some incredible posts over there and great conversations going on. You can get the links and stuff and some of the images that we mentioned in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 17. And if you want to send feedback for the podcast, for including in the podcast, especially if it's related to whatever the most recent episode is, like just after air, so after March 4th, if you want to send something in, call in to 903-231-2221 or email feedback at oncepodcast.com or you can go to oncepodcast.com and click the send a voice message tab and record a message and send it right from your computer yes please disagree with us as much as you can so we have a lot to discuss (laughs) i almost forgot about a special voicemail that we received from a special caller that is the person who plays sleepy in once upon a time (laughs) sweet hey guys this is for once upon a time podcast um Tuned about a call from Vancouver. Just wanted to shout out and say hello to you guys um, and have a great day. Ciao. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, thank you so much for that. Everyone can yes, follow him you. at uh, Faustino Debato on twitter and that's hard to pronounce and spell so i will have a link to that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 17 thank you so much for calling in sleepy 
and <laughs> we hope to see more of you soon. And any other cast and crew that want to call in and say hi or be on the show, please let us know. <laughs> You're welcome to be on here. Sweet. Thank you, Sleepy. Thank you. And <laughs> follow the show on Twitter as we share different things. It's twitter.com slash once podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Dan Flynn. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Dan Flynn Design. And I'm Jenny. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. Make sure that you also go over to the site, onespodcast.com. And if you're not already subscribed, we would love to have you subscribe to the podcast so you automatically receive every episode. And if you haven't already, we would love to have an iTunes review honest and favorable we'd prefer (laughs) but uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that so just remember operation cobra is back on (laughs) thanks for listening Once Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts that we're sure you'll enjoy over at noodle.mx.